It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast, available on iHeartRadio every morning and also on Spotify and Apple and wherever you get your podcast from, really. It is a Thursday morning. Yes, the working week, one more day after day. We're back into another weekend. It is the 24th today for November for 2022. Coming up in just a moment, we are going to be talking about a report that has been released to highlight some of the shortcomings and problems associated with trying to build one million homes. Yes, we're going to be talking with economist in just a moment, Tom Devitt. And also yesterday, the Reserve Bank in New Zealand has delivered a giant-sized interest rate rise of 75 basis points and considered at one stage a 100 points rise. Now it's the biggest single rise since the official cash rate was established in New Zealand back in 1999 and this particular rise is the ninth consecutive one. So the official cash rate yesterday in New Zealand was lifted to 4.25%. It's the highest level since December of 2008 and the Reserve Bank in New Zealand is forecasting a recession as likely as it battles to combat inflation. I guess we're all in this together, aren't we? Looks like the UK next year is going to go into recession as well. And the RBA committee agreed that the cash rate needs to reach a higher level and sooner rather than later to ensure that inflation returns to within its target range over the medium term. Remember, of course, New Zealand is ahead, so it is all Always a little bit of a look to the future. It's your real estate podcast for breakfast. And if you're celebrating your birthday for today, for November the 24th, a happy birthday. You're sharing it with Ian Botham. He is turning 66 today and Billy Connolly is turning 79. And also on this day, back in 1971, the hijacking of Northwest Orient Airlines 305 happened. Now, there's a documentary you've got to see see this it's on Netflix and I think it's called DB Cooper because he's the one that did the hijacking DB Cooper demanded $200,000 in cash and then used a parachute to jump out of the aeroplane and has never been seen again we talk with leading property commentators with analysis predictions forecasts and what's trending every morning from 6:30 it's the Main Centre Forecast with PRD, selling smarter every day. And let's check on your Thursday weather around the country and in Sydney we go firstly, mostly sunny and fine and expecting a top of 25 degrees. In Melbourne today, partly cloudy but dry, 19 is your forecast top. Also dry conditions and 30 degrees in Brisbane and in Perth today, also fine, Expecting a high today of 24 degrees. It's your weekday real estate breakfast with news, interviews and predictions every morning on the Real Estate Podcast. Well, the one million homes hoped to be built is already getting a bit of a downgrade. Well, potentially, and the RBA and the government seem to be a little bit at loggerheads. And there's this new forecast that you might have read by the Housing Industry Association 
Association. All sorts of really interesting elements to it. So let's welcome in HIA economist uh, Tom Divot. And a very good morning to you, Tom. Welcome to the Real Estate Breakfast. Thanks very much for having me. So you mentioned last week that even though the RBA and the government had some friction there, there are tools at the government's disposal to use. And I think one of those things was providing grants to local governments to speed up land releases to effectively reduce prices and encourage house and land purchases. Is that right? That's right. Um, earlier this year, or it may have been last year, there was a, a federal inquiry into into housing affordability, um, colloquially called the Felinski Report. And one of its recommendations overall, it, it focused very much on the fact that the supply side of the um, housing affordability equation is, is, is really, really important. And one of its recommendations was that the federal government can provide incentives for local and state governments to facilitate more housing construction because in the end it's it's local and state governments that are in control of the uh, planning frameworks that determine whether it's even possible to um, build say units and townhouses in an, in an existing suburb rather than just detached from houses with big backyards and uh, whether enough land is being released in the uh, new suburbs to facilitate uh, new housing development as well. The problem for a lot of um, local governments is that their incentives are skewed towards local, their existing local residents rather than the potential residents they could get if they built more houses. That's that's just the, the way their, their incentives are set. But in order to address affordability, the federal government could step in um, to, to correct those incentives, not just with um, with something as simple as, as cash grants, but commitments to build infrastructure as well, which could um, alleviate a lot of the congestion concerns that a lot of local residents have with more housing developments. Yeah, and I want to come back to this. It's not really a stoush, but I suppose there's a little bit of a conflict going on between the federal government and the RBA. I think you warned that further rate hikes could see the almost 30,000 home shortfall blowout even more, particularly if the RBA continues to increase the cash rate in 2023. So talk to all of that, because I think that's probably one of the problems problem areas uh, with the RBA and interest rate rises. That's right. Well, our, our forecasts, which we just um, released last week, are based on the assumption that the Reserve Bank won't go much higher with interest rates. Um, there seems to be an expectation that there might be one more 0.25% increase in December, but then the, the Reserve Bank will will pause to just to wait out and see what the full effect of their, uh, their hikes will be. Because the thing about this particular cycle is that there are really, really long lags involved between when the interest rates start going up and when we actually start to see construction activity on the ground slowing, broader employment growth slowing, and, and, and the inflation figures that the RBA is really focused on actually come back down. So based on what the RBA has already done, we're expecting that the amount of construction activity on the ground will trough in 2024-25. Um, and based on the amount of homes that we're officially forecasting to be built between 2024 and 2028, which coincides with the government's 1 million house, houses pledge, the government is going to fall about uh, 30,000 houses short in total. And as you said, if the Reserve Bank goes further, that trough in 24-25 will be even deeper and that shortfall will be even greater unless, um, as I mentioned before, the, the, the government steps in with, uh, with some incentives to encourage further housing development and faster land release.
Yeah, so that's interesting, Tom. And I see that your figures also show that while Victoria has led the nation's housing construction since 2019, it is expected to slip behind New South Wales next year. And at its peak, the state commenced construction on more than 70,000 homes in 2021. But that figure is forecast to decline, I think, just over 50,000 in 2024. That's right. Yeah, Victoria is uh, is an interesting case. It was hit hardest by the closure of international uh, borders. It relies more than any other state on overseas migrants, students, and tourists, especially to support the apartment sector, because that's where uh, new overseas arrivals tend to move into when they first arrive. What managed to override that loss of overseas demand was the pandemic itself. It made people want more space and more amenity in their home environment, so it led to an enormous upshift in in demand. For for housing, despite the fact that Victoria's population went backwards during the pandemic. It's just incredible to think that, that under those circumstances, a boom in, in detached housing could happen. But uh, going forward, the weight of uh, high interest rates and potentially if overseas migrants don't return in, in significant numbers, that's why we're uh, expecting that Victoria will come back from those, those boom levels um, quite significantly. Tell us a little bit about the apartment tower construction in capitals such as Melbourne and Sydney, which could be a bit of a, I guess, a um, lifeboat to making sure that these one million homes are pledged. That's right. The, uh, the the shortfall in uh, in de- in detached housing because of increasing interest rates is quite the opposite outlook to what we're expecting for the um, apartment market more broadly. Um, we're expecting apartment construction to actually continue gradually strengthening in the face of increasing interest rates and a cooling detached sector. And there's a few reasons for this. First, overseas migrants are, are starting to, starting to come back. In fact, in the first quarter of this year, there was almost 100,000 net overseas migrants that arrived in Australia, and most of those go to Victoria and uh, New South Wales. On top of that, the affordability challenges that the pandemic has produced in Australia has been most acute in houses rather than units and and apartments. So that's going to increasingly push Australians as well as uh, migrants back towards the, um, the apartment sector. And we're also seeing that the rental market across Australia is just incredibly tight. Normally, in a in a sort of balanced market, you would expect to see rental vacancy rates around three percent. They're between one and one and a half percent in Melbourne, Sydney, and Canberra, and less than one percent in all the other capitals. So it's an incredibly tight uh, rental market. So as this enormous housing pipeline that's currently under construction progressively makes its way through to completion, those houses will be able to be occupied. But there will also be a uh, demand for more affordable, smaller units, townhouses, and apartments. Yeah, enormous housing pipeline. I think that's a great way to sort of categorise exactly what it is. And this report makes for interesting reading. I'm curious as to when are you going to do another report? Well, we will be update, updating our um, our uh, official forecasts in February, and by then we'll have a bit more very important information, including our new home sales report. It's a it's a survey that we do of the largest volume builders across the across the biggest states, and uh, we've already started to see new home sales fall in the last uh, four months because of increasing interest rates. And by February, when we are looking to update our forecasts, we'll have two or three more months of that data just to see how much impact the 
Reserve Bank's interest rate hikes have already had, and that won't be the end of the story. If the Reserve Bank does nothing more from this moment on, it will still take until around mid-next year to see the full impact on new home sales. And the further they go with interest rates, the longer that trough could be and the less work builders will have to continue on with, with once they get to the other side of the current enormous pipeline. Right, okay. Well, it sounds to me, Tom, like we're going to be talking uh, February 2023, which isn't that far away. Thanks so much for coming on to the Real Estate Breakfast this morning. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much. I look, look forward to our next chat. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast. 